Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In today's episode... How did SRAM become the road group set of choice for the enthusiasts? What's happened to Argon 18 from world tour pinnacle bike to almost disappeared? Zwift have updated their indoor trainer... And it's an absolute game changer. And why would anyone not run GP5000? All right, let's get into it. So I've made a couple of uh, alterations to my Chapter 2 Coco. Right. You love doing this, don't you? I do. So I do. We the start of every good conversation. We wouldn't have anything mess to talk with about my bike if it wasn't, wasn't Chris messing <laughs> around change with I've changed my bike. pedal system. <laughs> so, I mean, so the thing with this, this bike particularly that um, was always a challenge for me was the geometry. And I kind of, that's like a broad term, but ultimately what that came back to is that the geometry of this bike was essentially a, an endurance bike, really. It was pretty short reach. And so what I've gone and done is put a 130 mil uh, integrated bar and stem on there. Mm. And it looks sick. People's champ. People's yeah, champ. That's just, that's just, it's, oh, he's got one, you got a 130. I feel like beginners in the sport, it's like, what stem length do you run? It's there. What's your stem length? It's just for some reason it's, and then, you know, the G, like back in the day, GSM would do videos and there'd be some pro with a 160 mil stem and everyone would just like wet themselves at how cool it was. But here's, there's a chat in here, right? Because I, 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 I'm not a 130 stem person by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a 100, 110 person. But because, because the Chapter 2 is a endurance styled fitting bike, you can go ahead and add these kind of cool <laughs> components, right? Yeah. Which is kind of funny because you have all these people buying the top-of-the-line race bikes and having to, like, dumb them down, like put st- spaces into them, shorten the stems, make them look not as pro to try and fit on the bike. Whereas in the first place, if they'd chosen the endurance bike, you would have Let's more room it. to move yep. to pro up your bike. Yes. Okay? Yes. That's, so you've hubbardized a pro bike. There you go. You could have proed a hubbard bike. Yep. 100%. I don't think there was any real point to me bringing that up other than to, to kind of say that. But oh, So I've always run a 130 stem. It does oh. make it twitchy, like it feels racier mm. because you've got that, yep. some physicists will say, well, you know, you've got the steering arc of the what's boob that makes it twitchier. <laughs> Have you ridden it with that stem? How did it feel? Did so it feel I raced, different? I raced it last night in the rain and rode it a bit today. It's fine. I love it. In fact, it's actually... 
it's made the bike feel back to what I want from that bike now. So you know, okay. So you did notice a difference. Hundred percent. Okay. Hundred percent. But again, because because I'm able to, you know, it's a relatively kind of cruisy geometry. Even though it's put me in a slightly more aggressive position, I'm pretty comfortable down there. Like I, I've got no sort of issues with that. But I, I consider that when I'm comparing bikes. So when I'm looking at the, the stack and reach, if I'm comparing it to my current bike and the stack of the bike I'm looking at is lower, I'm instantly like, oh. Mm. I'm going to have to run a spacer. Mm. I have mine slammed at the moment. I don't want to do that. Mm. Like that but people maybe don't, don't look in that much detail. Yeah. Or they get it and they're like, oh, shit, now I've got three spacers. Well, I mean, it can, exactly. It comes back to that exact chat that we were having when we were talking about the endurance bikes, that people don't want to buy the endurance bike because it's not as frothy as the, the top tier bike. Like that's just – that's the mindset, yeah. right? We're, we're all in. Whereas if you did do that, you were able to sort of pimp it up a bit. So this is like a public service announcement I had to have a, a cool-looking bike. <laughs> no, okay. I had a point. I did have a point. <laughs> okay, the Chapter 2 Coco is an example, but it's a, it's a kind of a shit example because it's such a niche brand that no one's really ever heard of. But that bike... <laughs> no offence. No offence, but I mean, I like it, but it's, it is. It's a small brand. Like yeah. I spent half the time in the US, people going, what the hell is that? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's, it's great, but, you know, it doesn't matter if you haven't heard about it. Um. But those bikes don't really exist. Like if you look through everything, if, if, if I was going to try and categorize this as like a, an endurance aero bike. So endurance, meaning it fits you. An aero bike, meaning it's got the- My eyes are rolling already. The top tieriness. Oh my God. They don't exist. They don't exist. Who is buying an endurance bike? Everyone. Everyone should be buying an endurance it's bike. It's for people that aren't racing- they want to be more upright. Maybe they're doing a Grand Fondo. No. No, no. it's not. No. Endurance bikes for everyone. It should be for everyone. You should be on an endurance bike. <laughs> what are you Slammed. Have you seen my position? <laughs> Slammed. <laughs> you could, you'd be able to, you'd be enjoying life so much more if you were, if, there's so many people riding the wrong bike because it's, they don't exist. The problem no, is. No, no, hold on. I'm with you. Well, that. The endurance bike doesn't look cool. It doesn't. You're talking about looks. I'm talking about actually the, the riding it on the road. It's someone going to Bob and Head to average 26K an hour. They don't need aero-tubed bikes. Just the fact that they're being sold, okay, they might think it looks cooler, but why is someone riding Bob and Head in 16 minutes being buying an endurance bike because it's got aero features? The whole aero-featured and then you get onto aero-featured gravel bikes, which is a whole, is another level. I mean, how fast are you gravel riding? The average is under twenty. I realise we're going around in circles, right? But the the reason it needs the aero is because they won't buy it without it. Because it, the point is that if you stack the two bikes up together, if you stack the the aeroed up against the um, endurance, I think yeah, that, mm -hmm. okay, there you go. Yeah. They're all going to choose the aeroed. Every single one of them because it looks fucking hot, right? Now, if you put the geometry of the aeroed into the in, – uh, the blah, blah, blah. Yes. If, uh, yeah, if yeah. you put the – if you put the geometry of the Endurace into the, the look of the aeroed, they would all buy that. That would be such a shit bike. That person doesn't need aero features. It would be unnecessarily heavy. It would be a harsher ride than it needs to be. 
So you can save drag when you're riding at 20k an hour. It's silly. It's but they're not going to buy it. Well, that's, that's their point. problem. We, people should buy the no. bike that suits their needs. No, it, but that's buy it. a Defy. You don't see the Defy. People will. People should buy. Boring. Can we everyone buy a Defy? Boring. Just that's such lowest. It's like we people want to look like they're on an aero bike. So we're going to tout the aero features of an endurance bike. Yep. That no one's ever going to ride sustainably at a speed that aerodynamics matter, and and that's how we're going to sell. Specialized should release the new Venge in an endurance oh geometry. Oh. It will sell like hotcakes. I will get it'll one. It'll be nine kilos. Nine kilos. Chris Miller will be the first person on it. Uh. Now you could now you see. Okay, um, what was the Pinarello one that we were talking about? That that one. Yeah, with the with the with X, the, bloody, X days. The, the, the lattice yeah. features. See that that one. I've gone full circle on that. But that's I not an, it. But that's not an, that's not aero featured. Oh, it's that's that's got enough aero features for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But even, cool. even something like a even something like a fa- I've gone really high pitched. Even something like a Factor O2 Vam. Well, it's not O2 Vam. Sorry, the the Factor. Yeah. What is it called? Ostro Vam. Sorry. Even that. That that aero tubing in an endurance frame, perfect, beautiful. Why doesn't that exist? Why doesn't that exist? Okay, I'm sure it would sell. Why doesn't it exist? Let's kind of well, maybe it will, and I'm sure it would sell because people want to look like they like the look of aero bikes. But I'm just saying for that person that's buying that, that's not going to ride as well as a Defy. It's heavier and it's not going to be as compliant because the aero features. There's different sides of the spectrum, and you don't need to save the watts. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you're not giant. Yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs that you got to, that someone won't buy an endurance bike unless it looks like it's doing something which they don't need in the first place. I am merely trying to get people to buy bikes that fit them by selling them a bike that looks cool. Okay. Right. It's it's like the standard yeah. thing. Okay. Right? They've managed to to tick the looks cool box, and have no idea what the geometry is like. I'm sure it's fine, whatever. But they've managed to convince people to do it purely on the looks of their bike. Good on them. Would there be a way to do this without bullshitting someone that they think they're going faster because it's aero tubed? What what would the what's the what's the angle there? Could you just say because you can't just say well it looks fast, so they end up saying well it saves blah 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 what for someone that. I know. I, I, it's a damn good question, but it's it's the world, it's the world we live in when it comes to road bikes. Because, like you said in that endurance bike episode, no one's going to choose it if it the the other option is the one that Primoz Roglic rode. It's just it's the mindset you can't. I and mean, that's what Tom was saying. So Tom Petty, the bike fitter, who was talking to, he was saying you just can't get that out of someone's head when they've. They've looked. They've got the choice. It's there in front of them. So hard to convince them to take the one that suits them. Test ride. If bikes, if you could A B test ride mm. this, people would realize. I think people Disagree. would realize. <laughs> Disagree completely. People have no idea. No idea. All, all you would do is lower the tire pressure on the on the trumped up top tier one, and they'd go. Oh, yes. Oh, smooth as. What was that really <laughs> stupid YouTube? Anyway, I won't bring that up. Where the guy was riding it around the park, around the um, car park, and he was saying, oh, yeah, oh, feel the gonna, acceleration. Oh, we're not going to out there. Not going to go there. No, leave that one. Yeah. Ah.
I, I see. No, I see where you're coming from. I, I think it's sad, but it's that's reality, isn't it? That's that seems seems to be what it is. So, well, what? Well, besides chapter two, and there was the three T. That three T strata thing did was a similar idea. Uh, do we have any other brands that's that are doing point. it? That was that was why I brought this up because I don't think this bike exists from a mainstream band. It doesn't exist. Like the Cervelos. Used to, but before the Cervelo S5 did the handlebar thing, that it the rim brake S5 was was kind of in that regard. It was. That's what I was going to say. The rim, the S5, and even the Ostra, are they that aggressive? They don't look that aggressive to the eye. Ooh, I, got I don't know the geo on the yeah off the top of my head okay. on that. Yeah, but they're this. I mean, they're not marketed as endurance bikes, so they're, no. they're not going to match. Yeah, but see, I thought the TCR was. So what you want, you don't because you're saying endurance bike, but that's only for the geometry. What you just want is an out and out race bike with the geometry to suit a sixty year old. Yes. So because you don't actually care about the compliance and the weight, really, you're saying you just want the look and speed of a aero frame. I do compare about. I mean, yes, weight to an extent. Like I think an eight kilo bike is perfectly fine. Okay. That. Yep. All right. Okay. That's um, what was mine in that video, like seven seven or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. You know, I, I would go to the next. There'll be a, someone will probably be still even. I reckon that there would be frames that do this. There must be. Because, well, couldn't, wasn't that what the Trek was had when they, now they've combined, they do the 1.5 geometry. They used to have the two, uh, the one and the two H geometry things. And the, the two was, was a lot more relaxed. So it's probably what that was. Yes. Yeah. And see, the thing with that is like, and we, we've harped on a bit, about this in the past, but the handlebar stuff, like that BMC, that's actually that BMC. There you go. There's a good example of one. Okay. The new one. Um, yeah. I can't remember what's the R. The Cam oh. Cam's one. Yeah. Team yeah. machine was, R. That did it all right for me. That did the right the right sort of geometry style, and it did the handlebars right. Yeah. Because so many of them are throwing you still into a you know ninety mil stem with forty two mil bars. And then you got to do the faff around afterwards. That had got that right, um, which chapter two don't do. And that's why I'd gone down this route. Yeah. I'm walking into a bike shop next year to buy a bike. I'm seriously considering getting a SRAM bike. I want to go into more detail. And, and how did we get here? Why is that the case? That I would say, now I would pick one. I, I still think if you're a pro elite racer, you're probably still picking Shimano. Everyone underneath that. I'm pretty sure SRAM is the group set of choice for the punter, for the enthusiast, for the amateur out there now. I think it's gotten there. So how did it get there? Can we run through some specs? Yeah, yeah let's do it. How do they cut through here? So first thing I would say, wireless shifting was a hit. You've seen Shimano now semi-wireless. And it doesn't matter about, okay, it's easier to set up for the mechanics but if you actually get out of the details of it, it just makes sense to have wireless shifting. It's just an easier sell. Someone walks into a shop, they're not super into it. Oh, this is wireless shifting. It's just like, yep, that's up to date ahead of the times. I think that was a big win. Um, then you've got easier gearing. I don't think SRAM gets enough credit for having the easier gearing. And it's in 2022, 2024, with the, with the, the longer cage derailers, uh, becoming standard on the Shimano, and now 32, 34 cassette is kind of standard on Shimano. They've kind of caught up a bit. 
But the COVID babies in cycling won't really remember the times when earlier on where having easy gearing was 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 like a weird thing. You didn't really have access to it because we all had short cage derailers, 28 tooth max. So your easiest gear, if you were lucky, was maybe a 36, 28. Like that, that was yeah, an easy gear easy. back yeah. in the day. And it wasn't until, yep. you know, there was people on the internet that talked about it. I Durian Ryder back in the day had had everyone set up with those goat link things and then blokes were like retrofitting 34 cassettes on and but it was just ugly and clunky and so they were they were kind of doing it with Shimano. Then SRAM came along and were like, here, have a 48 30 front ring and and we'll just do 30, 33 cassettes as standard. Um and they kind of babied us in because they said, Don't worry, you still got the 10 tooth. You still got your big gear and people got used to having easy gearing and it made, I think it made Shimano catch up, but there was that interim period, probably 2014 to 2019, that five year space. Well, I don't think SRAM got enough credit for what they were doing with gearing because that X range stuff is, is now pretty well established. It's better for most people. I don't disagree, but I still, I, I see where, okay. That's that's where we're – that's sort of the journey. I, I understand that. But like you said, like Shimano has caught up in those gearing that, – well, that gearing warfare. So coming back to Jesse Coyle walking into a shop in 2024, I'm still interested in your sort of mindset here is why you think – because you were there. Yeah, I, no, I still think they haven't caught up with the chainring sizes. I still think the smaller chainrings for an enthusiast is better, uh, even even if they didn't have the 10-tooth. Uh, what does an enthusiast need to be pedaling at 300 watts down a hill at 60 gain hour? Doesn't They don't need to. So I think they're getting closer. Um, remember when – because we used to have so many – there was like a short cage, medium cage, long cage, and then if you had a DI2 rear derailleur that was short cage – and you're doing a fondo, and then you're trying to f- like go outside there. They say, "Oh, it fits up to a 30," and then you'd be in with the B screw all the way in to <laughs> like fit a 32, and then or you someone would have to go and buy a new rear derailleur with a longer cage. It was that stuff sticks, I think. And now you're just like, "Oh, I'll just go get SRAM and it's smaller chain rings, and we'll be done with it." Um, so okay, maybe they've caught up. I still give them pats on the back. This is I'm building a case, mm-hmm. building a case, mm-hmm. interchangeable batteries. That is so much better. It is so annoying when I have to go charge my bike and have to run an extension cable from inside onto the balcony so I can have the USB charger to plug it in. It just makes so much sense to just take the batteries off and you plug them in inside and you go back outside and you put them in. If one goes flat, you can swap them around. You can take a spare. It is a better system, the SRAM battery, 100%. You're assuming something's going wrong with the Shimano system are you like I no mean, it's just annoying to charge charging a oh okay so you're you're you don't like having to run a cable to your bike is that the oh once a month you know i'm not crying about it but it's annoying yeah. it's this the sram version with easier charging you can take a spare battery in your saddlebag leave it in there hopefully you never need to use it swap them around if you need to it's just better it just it's a better system. I would argue it's actually more more complicated. Really. I mean, you've got two batteries now that you have to maintain. In fact, 
you have four batteries because you do have the two the two actual levers as well that you, you need to maintain. Which you do in the Shimano ones now. Yes, exactly. But uh, as far as your front derailleur, rear derailleur, it's it's just one cable going to the to the rear. I have look, you get a nice notification on your head unit when you're I mean, you know, I'll probably go home and now my DR2 will be flat, but I mean, that's still pretty straightforward. Um, I don't know. I think you're overcomplicating this. Uh, okay. All right. Um, the other thing as well, remember when someone's going a punter, or an, I say punter, I don't mean that in a negative term. Maybe I kind of do. When you're an enthusiast going to a bike shop, there's only so many things you're picking a grip. So it's got the same number of gears. It shifts the same. It's all the same. So th- this is all you're really left picking with is what does it look like? And then is there any little... Bits it does better than the other, and I think I prefer SRAM um, battery system. Some people like probably prefer one battery, plug it in a couple months, it's all good. I prefer SRAM. Um, the mobile app, uh, I haven't sh- used the updated 12-speed version of Shimano's app, so I'm not sure what it does, but the SRAM app has been miles ahead of Shimano. SRAM one's way better. Okay. <laughs> for for ages. Okay. Confirmed. I'm, I'm glad that. So that makes a difference to oh. someone... That's not us rusting on for decades. That's a massive difference. Accurate power meters. That makes a difference. You at across the entire range, it just works and it's accurate. Put all that together. If I'm a 22 year old, just got my first corporate job, I'm looking to spend 8k on a, a force or an Ultegra level. I'm picking force. I do not disagree with you. That person that you've just mentioned, 100%. I I would go a step further and say that SRAM has almost become the group set of the people. I don't know what that means, but, you know, there's there's probably something that goes along with it. And I don't see that turning around. In fact, (laughs) which I, I still come back to you because... I see Shimano turning into the campy, being the like the old money, the the bourgeois, the 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 ones that have been around for a long time and they you know they know about it type mm. thing. You know, we're almost <laughs> you're almost trying to like it's sad, but you you're kind of flexing your experience on those sort of shram people, mm. the younger mm-hmm. crowd. Mm. Here I am with my yeah. Shimano sort of. Yep. That's what it is. Now there's. There's not really anything to it other than look, really, mm-hmm. and perceived like heritage, which was, which was campy until I'm sorry it became completely irrelevant. Yep. Coming from someone who was a believer. Yep. And so you could. That's a call. Okay. So Shimano's could become the campy where it's. Oh, some people use it, but if you're buying a bike, it's probably going to have SRAM on it. Yeah. Could get there. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, it's just. I still don't see you on it, though. That's my biggest problem. I, I, it does the same shit. It just does the same thing, but better. Like, and people still talk about, oh, the front chain rings. Like, the front, what are you talking about? Just set it up properly. Like, it's just fake news that the front shifting doesn't work. Oh, that's sh- okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just clinging on to just nonsense. The performance really. of the Frontier Railer is far superior on Shimano. That's, that is, I will stand, I will 100%. How? It's just faster. It's faster. It just really is faster. Okay. 
Especially on the 12 speed. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Um, but, the, the, but the SRAM one still gets still from works. the small to yes, the big absolutely. without falling off. Absolutely. Okay. And I'm not going to get stuck in some stupid GCN debate about, like, oh, it doesn't actually matter, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it, it's the first and only thing that I noticed swapping between SRAM and 12-speed mm. DR2. Okay. Yep. Yep. But for, again, for a young person who's never ridden Shimano, they don't know any better. Wouldn't so matter. it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. And they're not like shifting to the big ring to sprint to follow a someone attacking over a crest or so. It doesn't really matter. I just went down the GCN. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so Yumbo Visma as well. That made a massive difference. Having them win all the Grand Tours on it. Like that is just... That it's just signed, yeah. sealed, and delivered. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah, that definitely worked. 100%. Totally agree with you. Let's have some bike chat, Jesse. Yes. There's, there's not a lot in the, no, in the notes folder this week. This it is, is scarce. Well, there isn't a lot going on. Just generally yeah. it's that time of year, isn't it, where you know the pro, the pro scene's winding down, even the releases are potentially winding down. Which gets us thinking just general bike stuff. And this one popped into my brain because I saw a picture the other day when I first came back to Australia from Ireland and a mate of mine was riding an Argon 18. And I remember thinking at the time, holy shit, this bike is friggin' hot. Like what a brand. Never heard of it, but yeah, all about it. Absolutely love it. And that brand, so I reckon that's twenty. That's gonna be twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. The Gallium might might be the the yep. model of it. And mm-hmm. um, that brand stayed in my conscience for at least another five six years. Hanged around, and I was just thinking back the other day. It has just dropped off the face of the planet when it comes to my world. Have you got a similar kind of take on this? You mentioned this to me, and I said something. I'm thinking Argon 18. Argon 18? But it wasn't that long ago Astana were riding it, and then I went back up to look photos. I'm like, yeah, remember um, Luis Leon Sanchez or whoever it was, or Fuglesang? And- this is a worry. Jesse Coyle's actually fact-checking his pro-cycling stats. This is, this is going to cause chaos in the, in the comments. Yeah. So what year was that? Yeah, it was. So twenty. Yeah. So so, so twenty nineteen. He's on. A, he won a stage at the Vuelta on an Argon eighteen. Now that's that not that long ago, and I couldn't for the life of me even remember anything the brand did, which is kind of crazy because they were, you know, back in the day, an Argon eighteen was. We knew what that was. We knew the models, the Gallium Pro. They had their Aero model. I can't remember what it was called. The only reason I sort of brought this up is because, I mean, obviously they're still around. They're probably, they're a Canadian brand. They're probably still selling lots of bikes in Canada. Um, From memory, they're involved actually with the Australian track team. Like was, yeah, whatever. They're pretty big on the track and triathlon too. They're kind of spread across. But that's, isn't it funny? It's like, oh, they're big on the track. I mean, that's got to be a pretty niche market. But that's sort of my point. It's like. Why would a brand like that get really invested in the track scene? Because, like, surely their money, surely their revenue comes from people on the road buying. So I just, I just don't see that being a huge link for for a consumer to be like, oh man, that that tracky guy's on a Argon eighteen. I'm going to go check that out. I just think that's a bizarre link, you know? Yeah. And how many people are buying track bikes? 
Well, not very many. Not very many at all. <laughs> but also the other thing, like, okay, here's a brand that was in the world tour and had that look and feel and I'm, you know, won tour stages and was kind of relevant from that perspective and now it isn't. And it sort of falls out of the conscience. It's a bit, uh, it comes back to that chat we were having a bit about BMC. Like that's a tough sell for that new BMC. You see where my link is here? Yeah. And yeah, like this yeah. is like a, I don't know, a, maybe a, a, a an example of, where BMC well, is going to struggle, you know? Oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, we we said it. Yeah, that 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 this can happen. It kind of drops out from. Well, it is our bubble. I mean, yeah. someone they're probably a triathlete watching, going, "Yeah, I've got eighteen. They're all over the pro. Okay, maybe they are in road though, which you'd have to think is the biggest market for a brand like this. It could happen to BMC. And interestingly, if you go into Argon 18's Instagram, the top three pinned posts are all about their gravel bike. And that, that that's not a recent release. Like this one of these posts from twenty five weeks ago. So six months ago, a gravel bike release. Um, it's classic, isn't it? Roadie brand, no longer in the world tour, and now they their selling point is their gravel bike. How many people are buying gravel bikes? There's two other examples of this. So, um, who are they? Uh, Focus. Yeah. Like that's a real obvious comp for this as well. And you got to say factor. Like factors in this same position where it drops out. Now it's hoping to obviously get back in and, and do all that sort of thing. But I think Focus has done a pretty good job of staying relevant. Like can't, I reckon, yeah, yeah. I mean, at least I think locally. It's just you see, locally, I think yeah. it's only because you see them. If you didn't see them on the road, when's the last time you saw the Focus Azalco and anything other than someone riding it on the road? But that's ultimately what sort of is what you want to see. Like that's, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. I don't know. No, I don't get, well, it's just because you can get them in stock and as a supplier in Australia isn't exactly like they're still hot. That'll fade out once people stop buying them because they don't see them online anywhere. Yeah. And they will, so they get into gravel. So they're posting about their Krypton. Is this just a way easier, less competitive market to promote your bike? Because what are you really judging a gravel bike on? Tire clearance? Really? Like if you're launching a road bike now, it's super competitive in terms of you've got to be matching some wind tunnel test and the weight's got to be under seven kilos with discs. And there's just a lot more at play, whereas if you launch a gravel bike and it accepts wide tires, the you can are just do, some, do a nice photo shoot with mm -hmm. it you know, people probably buy it. It's it's a lot easier sell, really. Yeah, that's the the goalposts are a lot wider. You're not you don't have to try and sell research and development at any point. Like it's yeah, I I, I totally get it. Which is interesting. You don't like the, the 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 quote on their middle pin post is all roads all day all in. It's just just to, it's nothing concrete. It's just good for them, but it's kind of interesting though you say that because. So Canyon released their new Grail this week. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And they're kind of trying to do that. They're trying to sell performance in a gravel bike space. You know, this is more aero, it's lighter. They're really leaning hard into that. I mean, shoot me, but, you know, Dave Arthur's trying to sell us that this is the only bike that you need. I I actually think he's trolling us with that particular (laughs) upload. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's the grail, which um, didn't Dylan kind of said, he reckons that was where they're all going to, they're going to try and push your gravel marketing now is into is into race gravel, but still like. Which is, I think, fair enough to do, but you don't need to. You can still sell a gravel bike just off vibe. You can't really sell a road bike just off vibe in this day and age. Uh, unless it's, yeah, no, you really can't. I can't think of a just a vibe road bike because you've got like the fashion You've got Don't the fashion start me, Jesse. <laughs> you've got you've got titanium. You've got different materials, which is a different. I, I don't consider that on the same line. What's the last vibe carbon road bike? Can you think of any that aren't just going value option? No, mm, no. Would because who would buy it? But gravel people people might. It's interesting actually what they've gone for because I've got the post here. Argonate Encrypt Online. So what are their talking points? Let's go through. So increased tire clearance. Oh, as I said, that's like the number one thing. Downtube storage compartment to ta- to carry tools and gear. That's pretty, okay. That's interesting. Shorter chain stays for a more responsive ride. It's kind of what you're getting, isn't it? Again, not really performance. It's um, But it doesn't need to be because if you're just selling gravel bike, as I said, it doesn't. It doesn't need to be the lightest, most aero thing in the world. So is this the Krypton or the Krypton Pro? This is the Krypton. Well, this is this is the Krypton Pro offers. Isn't it interesting on their website that they they differentiate between all road and gravel on the Argon website? So if you go to all road, you get the Krypton Pro and the Krypton. Whereas if you select gravel, you get the dark matter, which is a different bike altogether. So they've 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 like fully doubled down. This is actually this is quite interesting. They've done the thing that we were talking about with endurance bikes, where they have they have just they've gone all in on their endurance bike being a a gravel bike. I'm very confused. So the Krypton Pro is that a gravel bike or an endurance bike? According to their, it's in the all road. They've made a category. They've made an what is all road? Okay, so their gravel bike is the Dark Matter, which has 45 mil tyre clearance, and their all-road bike, which is, in the legacy terms that we live in, is their endurance bike, but that fits up to 40s. And it has a... But it's on the gravel side because it's it's promoting the storage compartment thing, which is more of a gravel feature. So that's their... But again, this space is so messy because that's not competing with the new Giant Defy. In The Giant Defy is a road... 
Grand Fondo bike, more on the racy side. This is a gravel bike. Jesus, messy that. I don't even know what, what. So that's maybe we've got to update our naming, Chris. So we've got to start using all road. Actually, there's three categories. You've got endurance bike, giant defy, all road, which is the Dave Arthur do-it-all bike. Then there's an actual gravel bike, which is now more of a touring spec. So what would Dylan Johnson pick for a gravel race? He is picking an all-road bike. Right. So while you were talking there, I was just having a look at the geometry between the Dark Matter and the Krypton Pro. And for all intensive purposes, we're talking about the same geometry across the two of them. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, this is, this is a, a tyre clearance chat, which blows my mind that we've created an entirely different sort of category for a little bit more tyre clearance. But it, it's interesting because, I mean, okay, I started this entire chat with, like, what's happened to Argon? Well, this is what's happened to Argon. They've just totally doubled down on, right, well, this is what our customers want now. We don't, we don't give a crap about Chris and Jesse's little Sydney bubble of pretend world tour riders. <laughs> We're all about, you know, Vancouver backcountry riders who are going to do some mixed terrain stuff and it's happy days and looks like it's probably going to work for them, you know? Um, okay, this is funny. So you go to Focus's website, you bring down the bikes drop down. Top of the thing, e-mountain bike full suspension. E mountain bike hardtail, E all around, mountain bike full suspension, mountain bike hardtail. At the bottom, you've got one road bike, a Zalco Max, and a gravel bike called the Atlas. That is sad state of affairs for focus, really. Um, and they've just got one, one gravel bike, which they say is a fast gravel bike for adventures. Plenty of mounting options for bike packing. So that's a, that's a, according to the new, what we're, we're sticking with, is the Argon name nomenclature. It is a gravel bike, not an all-road bike. Can we discuss steel bikes? Well. Have, have you ever ridden one? Yes. Oh, you had your gravel yeah, well, bike the was gravel steel. bike, I've, I've had that one. Devlin, I've, well, yeah. I've, okay, maybe I should say metal bikes because, you know, so the titanium bike, which absolutely loved. I've never ridden an alloy bike. I have. You have. My first road bike was an alloy cell. Okay. Yep. Very good. If there's one phrase, if you're talking to someone who rides a metal bike, what's the phrase they always tell you about their bike? That it is smoother. Besides alloy. Yes. If it's steel and titanium, oh, God, it's smooth. Thank it's you. just smoother. Thank you. That's what I that, wanted you to say. Okay. That, <laughs> that's what I, I wanted mean, you to say. It's what else have you got? <laughs> So I'm calling bullshit on this, all right? I'm calling bullshit on this. The reason, okay, my, my theory around this is, well, firstly, it's pretty much proved that the ride quality of metal bikes is in no way superior to a carbon bike. I'm sure I've seen the man himself, Peak Talk, discuss this in videos gone past. He's certainly done it when it comes to titanium about that there's no additional dampening quality to these metal bikes, all right? That said, I, I still do believe that the people who are riding the steel frame or, or metal frame bikes are in some way 
riding an improved ride quality bike because of the fit of their bike. Great example of that is a friend of mine who recently spent, God, it feels like maybe two years going through the whole process of having a custom built steel frame bike, the whole thing, you know, the fit, the geometry, everything just specked out, beautiful, all the rest of it, got it all built up for him. And he went out in that first ride and he was coming from a specialisma, carbon, carbon specialisma, blah, 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 which was just off the peg. Goes out on that ride. Oh, so smooth, Chris. <laughs> so smooth. I tell you, oh, it's amazing. The bike fits him. And I honestly think that that's, that is what a lot of these people are feeling when they're out on the bike. It's not, I mean, if you looked at his specialisma, he had sort of 20 mils of spaces under it. He had his kind of hoods tilted up a bit. For the, to kind of fit that, he had a bizarre saddle system on it to try and fit himself into it. Goes ahead and gets a bike that actually fits him and all of a sudden it feels smooth. It's not the point of getting the bike. Mm. Wait, wait. If you're getting titanium or steel, it's not for a smoother ride. It's for the look, really. Because if you want a smoother bike, you'd get an endurance bike, run some 32s on it, and you could be on a mountain bike for all you'd know. So would you say that getting a... Steel frame bike is for someone who's given up. No, I could run a, I'll, I could rock a nice steel job but you know, to go to LARPA on exactly. a Sunday. Exactly. But, but I'm not going to. But if you did that, you wouldn't be turning up to Tuesday Heffron or whatever it oh might God, be. Well, no. you I would have given up then. So you've given up. No, but I would still rock up. I would just go up on another bike. I wouldn't delude myself that this steel bike's going to category beat the superior frame <laughs> uh, composite. But if you if you had bought the steel frame bike and you'd got rid of your carbon bike and your oh. steel frame bike is the only bike that you have, you've, the, the white God. flag is up, you've announced it, it's all done. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Right. Yeah. And then you just do it and then you just love the look of it and, and that's fine, but don't let like – why are you trying to sell yourself that it's smoother or it's anything other than it's I like looking at looking down and seeing a thin steel tube but it's heavier and it doesn't perform as well like why, just it doesn't need to why does everything have to do everything just, <laughs> just that, accept it <laughs> that's exactly my point that that is the only reason I wanted to bring this up is because I feel like people when they go down this route like they are, they are raising the white flag when it comes to performance. You are. I'm sorry. And that's not a bad thing. So you don't then have to delude yourself into thinking that, no, 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 the reason I've, I've done this is because this is a inherently smoother and more sophisticated ride. Well, hold on. Did he keep his old bike? Yes, he's kept his. So I'm, this isn't specifically about him. Okay. I don't think the white flag's gone up because... Because he asked me during the week, because he's doing the Barrel Classic this weekend, shout out to everyone doing the Barrel Classic, he's like, which bike should I use? And my answer was, oh dear. well, <laughs> are you intending to, to have a squeeze and have a crack around it or are you just, you're just steel framing it, full vibe? Like you have the decision to make and go ahead and make it, but your decision will be made based on the bike that you ride. If he's asking... He's already made the, He's made the decision. He knows it's. <laughs> what does he want you to? What does he want you to say? Nah, the steel bike's better. It's definitely better. <laughs> T-shirt vibe. Run a wool, wool jersey and and go for it again. Like this is not me hating on metal bikes. I would I would ride that mosaic titanium bike 
the vibe of that bike. I wanted one when you had 100%, one. 100%. I, I would love to go to Bobbinhead on a titanium bike. Yeah. But I'm not going to pick it over my carbon bike for no. Efron. No. Yeah. Exactly. I think most people most people most people know that. I don't. I kind of feel like sometimes the metal crowd are overstating that's sort of why I brought this up because I do feel like they are overstating the performance of the bike <sighs> yep. in comparison to a middle of the range carbon bike. And if you went down the route of getting the metal bike and thinking, oh, you know, I'm still going to stay relevant as such, yep. they get a shock. I think I know who you're talking about. There's like a little group that seem to swarm YouTube comments on certain videos and tell stories about how they f- had a frame and it was smoother and like they're usually towards the top end of the comments box. They they yeah, they're there. They they're yeah, I see what you mean. They're in there. Oh, I had a titanium. It was really it was smoother than my 2007 Merida Sculptura. That that said, I'm just thinking. I did do a video comparing climb times of a factor to climb times of a titanium bike and the times are exactly the same. But titanium's not steel. True. True. Yeah. That's, that's, that, I, t- titanium isn't you, – you're not raising the white flag with titanium. It's like – At a crit you would be, though. Well, yes. Like, geez, I did that. Taking that thing down the straight at Heffron in a crosswind. <laughs> I, did, I did do that. It wasn't a good call. No. No. <laughs> no. So this was cool. It was on Shane Miller and, that, you know, when the indoor tech release comes out and all the indoor channels go nuts. Cool thing came out. So Zwift – Remember Zwift bought Jet Black, mm-hmm. that kind of dead trainer company. That Australian company. Yep. Bought the trainer to get, obviously, rights to have that thing. And what they've done with that trainer is nothing short of incredible. Really? No one ever rode a Jet Black trainer. It was like a – I don't want to say it was crap, but it was just no one's buying a Jet Black. You're buying a Wahoo or a Tax. So they bought it and you were just like, oh, that's a bit weird. Okay, I can sort of see it. And the stuff they've done is – legitimately disruptive, as annoying as that word can be. <laughs> it, is, it is like shit there on the money. Talk so me they, through it. So they buy this trainer. Then they, they, they increase the power accuracy and do the auto calibration so you don't have to do that annoying spin down. Instantly awesome. They update the sampling frequency. So if you're racing, it responds a lot quicker to all the surges, which if you're Swift racing, it, it makes a difference. And the final thing they've done recently, which is what all the buzz was about, is they've included virtual shifting on the trainer, which can be used in conjunction with the Zwift cog or not. So what you can do now, let's say you have a trainer, you have the Zwift hub trainer and you, you have a shitty indoor bike and the gear stop working. You can just leave it in one gear on the cassette, on the bike, buy this wireless shifting remote thing, strap it onto your handlebars and the trainer will simulate gears for you. And you never physically have to shift gears on your bike. You just press buttons on this thing and it simulates the gear on the trainer. Okay? Then what they did as well in the same release, they released the Zwift Cog, which is goes on instead of the cassette and it's a single gear. So you can have an eight-speed commuter or a 12-speed superbike all on the same trainer and then you just shift with the virtual gears. Oh, yeah. It's seriously... Genius! It is. It's I like was a little blown blip. away. It's a little blip. Yep. 
So it's the amount of problems this has solved is incredible. So firstly, problems solved. Uh, you have a shitty indoor bike where the gears don't work very well. Don't worry about it. Just leave it in one gear, buy your little blip shifter and use virtual gears. Or you have different bikes with different speeds. Cool, put your Zwift cog on and you're good to go. Use a virtual shifter. And now if you're a trainer, if you're if they're selling this trainer in a, or buying it online, you used to have to pick your cassette that matched your bike. Now you just order it with the Zwift cog and you're good to go no matter what, how many gears you have, what shifting system you have. I I haven't, I'm almost speechless. I haven't seen... You know, we, we talked about the Wahoo came out and had the rocker plate feature and you're like, okay, like it's sort of cool. At least they're trying. And then I saw this and I was just, I couldn't have even thought of that as a, as a thing. And it's here and it works. And Shane Miller's tried it. He says it's awesome. I, it's, it's, it's oh, like incredible. Would you do done. this or the bike? The kicker bike. Kicker bike. Yeah, the kicker bike. Yeah. Well, this is a serious thing because my dad trains indoors and he's on a – Really old Tax Neo, which is still running strong. And he's on my old Focus, which is, this is the filthiest, like, disease germ trap. You could, I could, wouldn't, we couldn't even put, we'd have to censor photos if we put it up. It's, the, the thing is going to fall apart from corrosion soon. So eventually the shifting's going to stop working and the whole thing's going to fall apart. So I'm thinking, well, what's he going to do? Well, is he going to, initially, like a month ago, he's, for sure he's going to have to go Tax um, Bike, Stages bike or kicker bike. Because otherwise he's got to change trainer and bike, right? But now, take that bike off the trainer. Even if the shifting's terrible, doesn't matter. Buy the Zwift hub, use the Zwift cog, and he's good to go. Doesn't matter how much the shifting degrades on that bike. It is seriously good. Seriously good. It's interesting how, because we were talking about indoor training being dead, quote unquote. But like... And from the and I think from the community aspect, I think that still is a challenge. That sort of, you know, the Zwift ride or anything like that is is probably maybe dying off. But I hear what you're saying here, and to to open up indoor training to people who don't even need a road bike, like this could just be your your proper flat bar commuter on here, like that. Now that. I can definitely see has been reinvigorating this whole this whole space for sure. So Wahoo Kicker Core is nine hundred Australian dollars. I'm pretty sure I don't think you can get the Zwift Hub in Australia yet, but it's five nine nine USD, which is about nine hundred and forty dollars. So it's about the same price as a Kicker Core, but now you don't need to fill around with any cassettes or anything, and that gives you a free one year Zwift membership. So it's it's actually coming in and under. And it auto calibrates, which I'm pretty sure the kicker core still doesn't do, or it didn't last time I used it. So it's arguably a better product, competitively priced. I just I can't say enough good things about that release. It's just, yeah, such a crazy example of your big business buying a smaller one, then actually not actually just doing something, it and destroying it, and yeah. just like sending it through the through yeah. up into the stratosphere. I could. I could genuinely see myself. Well, there'd be a bit of convincing around this. So uh, Peggy doesn't sleep in the cage anymore downstairs. She's a, she's a free sleeper. She sleeps normally in her own little bed or something. She's not going upstairs yet. Not going to be allowing that. But it has freed up a little kind of little space downstairs where I've kind of I've started a few little. You know, we could pop something in there, a little fitness area or something. That sort of thing started happening. I showed pictures of. 
the kicker bike, and that was shot down pretty quickly. But yeah. I don't know. Potentially, this yeah. this might have a this might have a little bit it's more just, traction. It's just a no-brainer. And then you because you're thinking, oh, but what if I wanted to run my gravel bike on it? And what if we go? We'll be 13 speed soon. Oh, then my train is going to be. It's just so much headache that was there, and it's just alleviated it all. It's so it's, it's so good. Yeah. Why would anyone not run GP5000 tubeless wheels? So I was leaving the shop mm-hmm. and Tom was like, oh, have you tried the Victorias? Why? I'm just like, why? <laughs> yeah. Like, and which got me thinking, like, what would a tyre have to do now to get me off GP5000s? Well, they win every category. So you, well, there's nothing. There's really nothing. I, I don't see... Anytime I see someone not riding GP5000s, I, I, it honestly crosses my mind. I'm just like, why? Why did you do? Why did you make that decision? Maybe they weren't in stock. That's probably the only reason I couldn't get a GP5000. Yeah. I'd run a Pirelli just for fashion with the yellow logo. Don't you reckon they look cool? Yeah. Yeah. Even a good year, just that motorsport. I'm running a motorsport Formula One tyre. It's a bit like it's a bit like the pedals, you know, because <laughs> oh yeah, says the guy that doesn't run Shimano pedals. No, yeah, now why I'm you're, back on, on. you're on time pedals. But see, look this, at you. <laughs> but this is the thing. You clip in, you spin your foot around. What do you? <laughs> but this is the thing, right? I was on Shimano pedals, and I'm like, because these work, they're great. And then I went off, and I went on this wild two year hiatus to different brands, thinking that they're going to do anything better or worse. And ultimately, after two years, you're like, what, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I waste two years of my life? Why did you do that? Fashion. Okay. Like you just said, like the look that looked looked so cool. I was like, oh, yeah. Three months later, it's like creaking away. And then, you know, I got the time ones and because I said, you know, what was I going to do in 2022, whatever it was, I'm going to try time pedals. Oh, yeah, they were fine until they weren't. And now I'm back on Shimano and it's just like, oh, well, there you go. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> I experienced it. I'm glad I did all that. But ultimately, I've just come back. Yep. It's kind of boring though, isn't it? It's just like, oh, well, back on these that work. <laughs> oh, actually, the cracker from last night. Um, so uh, I raced last night. Jesse didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess he didn't. It well, was pissing rain. I'm not it, racing around rim Heffron. That's why. In rim break. I'd, it, I'd, the brakes don't work. I'd be off the track. You would have been the only. That would have been interesting. You would have been the only person in A grade on rim brakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, for all the reasons I still ride rim brakes, they don't work in the wet with carbon rims. Mm. That's they just don't because you grab the brakes and nothing happens for about one second, and by then you, you've missed all mm. your timing. And then eventually they kind of half grab. They're they're. For people that haven't ridden rim brakes, which there'll probably be a lot of people that have never ridden rim brakes, carbon rim brakes <laughs> are so shit in the wet. It, they're terrible. They can't, uh, just just for a laugh, so everyone that hasn't ridden rim brakes, just borrow a mate's carbon-wheeled rim brake bike in the rain just, just so you can see how bad it is. I think, well, there's a few, like, and that's it's not relevant for us most of the time. Like that, That's the first time my bike has ridden in the rain and I've had it for about... Four months, I think, maybe longer. So, yeah. But um, why did I bring that up? Um, oh, at least one one reason. So that's the wettest we've ever done a, a Heffron. 
but it's the first time they've done them when pretty much the entire field is on rim brakes. On sorry, on disc brakes. And there was chat afterwards of there's no reason if people wanted to race, want to race, you know, because that's normally the problem. If it's pissing down, people won't turn up. But if people turn up and they want to go ahead and race, there's really no reason not to. Ultimately, like because it's not it's it was I'm, actually pretty safe. Okay, let's for people who want to do look, it, and there are people okay. who want to do it, especially like. And this is this brings me to my my point because there were a few guys <laughs> racing last night who'd come back from Europe, right? And they were there. Oh, they would have loved it. Oh, I've been racing on this for months, mate. Oh, you wouldn't last in Belgium. Quick anecdote. One of the people who was there, he was in his, I won't name him, but he was in his uh, whatever team he was riding with in Europe. He was in Italy, right? He's riding. Ciao. Yeah, looks, looks good, Joe. Well, just on that. So chopping off, people aren't rolling turns. Turns around, gives out to the bunch in Italian. Ah. <laughs> How good was what, that? What are the, what's the, uh, oh, there what's was the lingo? Just, sort of, um, yeah, oh, that was one of the great Euroflexes of That's all time. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Which got me thinking, yeah. though. Because but can we can we just hold the phone here for a second? So you're saying disc brakes have single-handedly brought back racing in the rain? 100%. Says the person who's <laughs> done one race in the rain in the last That's, 10 years. I'm not letting that one slip by. Yeah, it's back. Look, I'm one for saying that rim brakes don't work well in the wet, but... You're turning a corner in the wet, the physics haven't changed. You yes, still have, have. The, the grip of the. No, we're all on th we're all on 28, 30 mil tires running 40 psi. The physics has changed. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> I don't want to race in the rain, but there are people who want to do it, and I say let them race. So what? Well, what would you say? So is it should there just be a blanket? Heffron is on, rain, hail or shine, it is on. It's on. an outdoor sport. You can do it in the wet. It, you total racing dynamics totally change, but you reckon just on. Let it on. Let them race. Because uh, honestly, there are so many people who want to race and pro like, from a development point of view, probably is good for them yeah. to, you know, splash around and learn how to go around 100%. the hundred percent. I'm on board. I, never, I don't want to be I, there. I mean, I would never show up. No. I didn't show up last night. No. I went to the park on my gravel bike. Mm. But, but I, I never really quite understood, apart from the fact that you don't get as many entries in and you then have to refund all the entries – why not just run the race with a smaller field for the people that want to race? I mean, it's not necessarily more dangerous. Was there any crashes? Actually, there was one crash in the sprint at the end. But, you know, people aren't sliding out because everyone just rides slower. Yeah, everyone rides slower. In fact, it was potentially, well, the way it was ridden, it was ridden safer. And, yeah, it does come down to the riders, ultimately, how the race is ridden. But, yeah, I didn't have any issues with it. Yeah. What do they do in... It's a pretty common thing in a, at a club level in Australia. To call it off. To, it's always called off. Mm. The only races that don't get called off if it's raining are state level and above. Uh, other countries, they'd have to run them. You'd never race. get a Like in the UK, you're not going to cancel them if it's raining. Yep. In Sydney, it's more the ride back that I felt oh, sorry for. Terrible. The race, you know, you'll get through. Coming back through the city on rim breaks, that would have been <laughs> Terrifying. And it's sun's going down, getting dark. Oh, that's disgusting. That is real. One thing I will say is the ride back was just as bad as you said, but the bike clean of a disc brake bike is just so much easier, especially with a wax chain. It is a different ball game. Like it's a, it's a proper, I mean, if you're not that into it, you can just hose down and tail and tail happily. No, the reason I wanted to just 
are you happy? We we, we covered wet weather racing. Yeah, I think. Back. Yeah, we've you know top to bottom, every bit of detail has <laughs> been covered. In <laughs> You're wet weather story. experts, yeah. Chris Miller and Jesse Cole. Um, do you do you remember? Were you around when there was the pro, the team pro bike team bike sell-offs? Yeah. Yep. So the old Wiggle Honda or Wiggle team had their service course out at um, Cronulla area and they'd, they'd have a big warehouse sale and you'd go in and you get all kit cheap and sell off their bikes for cheap. Yeah, I remember that. What's happened? Oh, actually, the Argon 18s. I remember there was, an, there was an Argon 18 sell-off for one of the, the pro teams. I can't remember. But uh, that's actually where my mate got one, I think, from memory. But that doesn't happen anymore. Like doesn't happen. The, the Euro pros coming back, I remember, used to bring back like a, a fleet of frames. And if you knew the right person, you could pick one up happily. Like I remember the stories like Stewie O'Grady coming back with a few Cervellos and you could pick one up from Stewie. Like, I don't know. Is, is it just, does, does Luke Plapp come back now and, you know, there's a few Pinarello Australian champs decal yeah. ones going around if there is one, Luke, 54. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, don't doesn't seem to happen anymore. Not in Australia. No. Might do in other countries. They've got so many frames. Have to do, what what, what else it. are they going to do with them? It's going to be something lame, like give it to charity. Oh, send it off to Africa. All oh, right. Good on you. <laughs> it's no. probably better than flogging it for <laughs> 200 bucks. On... Well, I want, yeah, because back in that day, the, the rider just pocketed it, as they should. Just well, that, was the old, that was the old domestic team thing would be, you, know, you don't get a salary, but you can keep your bike at the end of the year and, you know, a couple of grand. That was, your, that was your deal. Yeah. All right, Jesse, you didn't just come in here wearing Lycra for no reason. Straight there is the some bike. There is some stock available, can is there? Can confirm I have not been sitting in a chamois this time. I do have shorts on. Uh, yep, stock is still available going into Christmas. Did a bigger order, so it's still in there. If you like the look of it, go and grab one, Lincoln Bio. I should mention that the, that jersey is so it's a cream white beige. It's a beige, yes. which so I know people get thingy about white jerseys. I've found that because it's not just like pearl white, it doesn't start to look shit after a certain period of time. Yep. It kind of just holds that that color. Yep. So anyway, worth noting if you're on the fence yes, about that. Yes, it is cream, which you should be able to see. Yeah. All right, we will um, yeah, we'll be back next week. So see you then, guys. See you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.